season church. Had to make a quick transition. We're so glad that you are here this morning. As has already been mentioned, a bishop is ill today, so um, I am grateful for uh, feeling better. I wasn't with you last Sunday, so it's good to be here with you this Sunday and bring the lesson from God's Word. I just continue to pray for our bishop and for First Lady and just continue to pray for New Seasons Church. Amen? We New Seasons Church needs your prayers. You are part of New Seasons Church, and so continue to pray for New Seasons Church. We are uh, very, very um, rapidly moving out of the year 2016, and our bishop has already said that 2017 is a year of victory. Amen? The year of victory, expecting great things from God. For New Seasons Church, expecting great things from God in your in your life and your family and so on. And I hope that when you come to God's word that you come with expectation, that you bring your Bible with you, although the verses and so on are on the screen, but you bring your Bible with you so that you can hear from the Lord what he wants to say to you in a personal way and to your family. So we have been in a series called God Owns It All. I like that title. How many of you are part of a small group? Can I see show of hands? You're part of a small group. You're part of a small group, then you know that this series has been part of your the um, the lessons in the small group. God God owns it all, and pastors' messages um, have been very powerful and convicting about our giving. I was able to watch his message that he brought last Sunday online, and uh, it was just a very very powerful message. And so in this series that we've been um, that he's been bringing about God owns it all. I hope that it has changed some of you in the way that you give. I really say that sincerely and with, with all my heart. I hope it has changed some of you in the way that you give because um, uh, it, it was wonderful to see how he uh, commended New Seasons Church for being a generous church. Because I was ill, I wasn't able to be part of the block party. In fact, I told my wife, Jeannie, that this is the first year that I've missed the New Seasons of Love block party. I uh, was able to see the videos online and, and was able to see all the our New Seasons brothers and sisters that were part of that, that um, block party in two locations, and it was a great time. And, and in his message, if you, if you were here last Sunday at, at the El Cajon, then you know that he uh, um, gave thanks for New Seasons Church being a generous church. But I want to say to you that we have, a bis, uh, we have a bishop, we have a pastor who models that with faith and generosity. Amen? As you know, and this is not offering time, but we often say that this pink envelope is, is for his support. This pink envelope is, is to bless him and show that we love him as our pastor because he does not take a salary. And so... Uh, our, our pastor, as he talks about generosity, as he talks about grace giving and trusting the Lord in, in giving and so on, he models that. And I'm grateful for, for that. And I just want to say that at the beginning because he's been an example to me and my wife. And I trust that he, our bishop, has been an example to you when it comes to giving. Not just our finances, but our time, our talent, our treasure. You know, you know, new seasons. How it goes, time and temple and treasure and, and uh, uh, theology and all of that. All that we are as a New Seasons Church is that, that God, God um, uh, puts that responsibility on our senior pastor to model that. 
So God owns it all. And I want to review some principles of this series before we get into the text today, which you see is on the screen, Philippians 4.19. But before we do, let's pray. Mighty God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for who you are. And we thank you, God, for what you want to say to us today. We thank you, God, for all that you, um, the, the, the resources that are yours. We thank you that you own it all. And we thank you, God, that in a selfish world that we live, we need to hear that. We need to be reminded of that, that you own it all. Your word tells us, Lord, that you bought us with the precious price. More valuable than silver or gold. The precious blood, Father, of your son, Jesus. And so thank you that there was no amount of money that could ever pay or buy the salvation that we have in you. So, Lord, as we come to your word this morning, I pray for three things. I pray for a spirit of conviction. I pray for a spirit of challenge. I pray for a spirit of change, that as we look at your word, Lord, as we hear from you, that we are changed by the same power of that word. Hide your servant, Lord, behind the cross, that anything that I say, Lord, is not my words, but your word. Lord, I don't want your people to hear me. I want your people, and I desire for your people to hear you. Lord, I pray that you would speak in a way that perhaps isn't even said in in this message that you've given me. And I thank you, Lord, that you are the one that changes us and transforms us. And we know, God, that we will be different people when we leave this place. So, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh upon us. May you reign and rule, and may you have the right of way in every way in my life and it's in Jesus name I pray these things Amen. so let's look at some some review or some things some principles of this series God owns it all first of all God owns it all what does it say including come on church including what my finances God owns it all what does it say including my finances and God has entrusted to me, what? Good management of my money. Another principle is what? God wants me to use, what? My, uh, use money for, for what? For his purposes. And then my giving, in my giving, what does God do? God uses that giving to what? To be a blessing to others. Every time pastor receives these envelopes it's a blessing to him every time our pastor receives uh, uh, financially uh, when we're fi- healthy financially as a church it's a blessing to him because of the resources and the things that new season church can do for the Lord and for his kingdom so my giving and 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 this is so different from the world because what does the world say beloved come on you and I know it is my, it's, it's what? It's my money, right? It's my paycheck. It's my bank account. It's my stuff. But God says, no, I own it all, including your finances. Because isn't, it the, isn't God the one that supplies and provides? Isn't God the one that, that blesses? Isn't God the one that surprises once in a while? And so God owns it all. So today I want to talk about a promise (coughs) that God gives in our giving. 
And you find the text here in Philippians 4.19, which says what? Would you read it with me? And my God will supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, circle some key words in this promise. What does it say? God what? God will. Say that. Say that to your neighbor. Turn to your neighbor and say, God will. God will. God will supply. It doesn't say he might, does it? Come on, church, are you with me? It doesn't say he might. It, 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 it doesn't say that, that God, God will think about it. It says he will. And I want to tell you that what I've learned in the 36 years now that I've been a, a belong to Jesus is that when God wills something, he guarantees it. Amen? Because his will, his, his promise, his guarantee is not like the contract. It's not like, well, you signed the dotted line, but it's not like, well, we, we, we said it would come through, but it's changed. God will, he says, because it's a heavenly guarantee. That's what I love about God, because why? He stakes, listen, beloved, he stakes his character, he stakes his reputation, and he stakes his power on his will. Amen? That should get us excited. Because it says God will. Now, what are some needs that you have right now? Think about that. What are some needs that you have right now? In the margin of your Bible or on your outline, I trust you have an outline. Does everybody have an outline? Page of day, did everybody get an outline? Okay, if you didn't, hold up your hand. We'll make sure the usher gets one to you. Okay, you all have it? That's good. So, um, either in the margin of your Bible or on your outline, take a moment and write those needs that you have. Just take a moment and write down the needs that you have. You're, you, you know, if, if Jesus was looking over your shoulder right now, <laughs> write down the needs that you have, the things that you need. Now, um, you've heard this before, needs, not greeds, Right? Needs, not greeds. We all have essential needs. Food, clothing, shelter. But what are the needs that you have? Write those down. Because it says God will supply. And then next underline in the verse it says what? And my God will supply, what does it say? All. It doesn't say some. Can you turn me down just a little bit? Sounds like I have an echo here. Uh, it sounds like I'm I got a congregation in the back as well. <laughs> and I'm looking at you. But but it says God God will supply all your needs. It doesn't say some. It doesn't say God will hold out on you. It says what? He will meet all of our needs. And then notice it's according to what? It's according to what? Underline this next key word. His what? Come on, church. His his riches. His riches. I was reading that last night as I was studying, and I thought, it's not based on my assets. <laughs> it's not based on your assets. Thank God for that. It's based on it's it's based on beloved, listen, it's based on what God has. Not what we have, it's based on what God has. His riches. And what is the truth? God owns it all. 
Amen? That's right. Well, that's what we're talking about. So because he owns it all, his, listen, his resources never run out. His resources never run out. Have you ever not had enough to pay your light bill? Have you ever had your water shut off? Have you ever not been able to pay your rent? Yeah, shaking your head. I've been there. I've been there. Resources run out, right? Supply stops because you don't have the resources to keep it flowing. But God's not like that, beloved. He keeps everything going. It's based on what he has. It's not dependent on the economy. It's not dependent upon the paycheck. It is his unlimited riches. And don't miss the next words because it's so rich. And my God will supply all your need according to his riches in glory by whom? By Christ Jesus. How many of you have kids? Come on. How many of you kids? How many of you have grandkids? All right. You have kids. You have grandkids. Now, you have kids. You have grandkids. Now, now, Deacon Demaja, I know you have two beautiful children. And I know you and your wife would do anything for those children, wouldn't you? Absolutely. God has blessed Deacon Dimaj and his wife, Latanya, uh, Latanya, with a beautiful baby daughter and a beautiful son. And, and Deacon Dimaj and his wife would do anything for those children. Amen? Last week we had our whole family, uh, our, our, uh, uh, except for our oldest daughter and, and, uh, and her husband and their little, little son, but we had the whole family. We had seven grandchildren. Is that right, Jeannie? Seven grandchildren with us. We had all the family with us. It was wonderful from Washington State and from Chicago and from Oklahoma. And they all packed the house. And I want to tell you, Pastor Mike and his comfort to be able to sit in his easy chair, you know, and just, just keep the house clean and, and, you know, keep things organized and all that. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. You know, if you have a house full of kids and toddlers, all the toys out in the front room, you know, and everything was out, and, 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 and uh, little uh, blocks were thrown this way and that way, and it, it, was a, it was a joyous household. And I was thinking, I was thinking, although I will admit, and Jeannie asked me, because I didn't really be honest with her, but sweetheart, I will confess to you, it did irritate me a little bit at times. <laughs> You get set in your ways, you know, you know. But the thing is, it was a joyous time to have those grandkids, have those, our children at all together at one time because we haven't seen them all together for two, at least two years. You would do anything for your children and, and their children. But guess what? Beloved, God loves his kids. God is crazy about his kids. You know why? Because God loves his son. Come on. God loves his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And because God loves his son, all that we have is where? All that we have is in whom? All that you and I have spiritually is in Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, I have everything in Jesus. I have everything in Jesus. All that we have, listen, in God's blessing and protection and provisions and supply is because of his son, the Lord Jesus. Do you know the Bible says this? This is so cool. 
all God's promises are, listen, yes and yes in Christ Jesus. Look at 2 Corinthians 1.19. It comes from there. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you, Paul uh, the Apostle wrote, was not yes and no, but in him was what? Yes. For the promises of God in him are what? Yes. And in him are what? Amen. That is, it is sealed with God's guaranteed promise to the glory of who? God through us. So everything that we have is in Christ. So what I want you to see this morning in this amazing promise in Philippians 4.19. First of all, how many of you have found this promise to be comforting to you? How many of you have, when you have felt on the low end or you, you, you don't know where the supply is going to come from, you, you're, not sure, you're not sure what's going to happen with, with what you need, you, you go to this promise or you have it memorized and, and it reminds you, it reminds you that God is the one that, that will supply. How many of you? How many of you? It's happened in your life. Yes, absolutely. And uh, what I want you to see this morning, though, is that this promise is tied to giving. We're talking about giving. Amen? This promise doesn't stand alone as we sometimes read it. In fact, um, the Bible, when you read the Bible, you can, you can, like a, you can memorize a verse or you can have one verse uh, you know, in, in your mind, but, but that verse is, is within a context. That verse is within a, a, uh, uh, a message that God wants to give to us as he gave it to the early church back in, in, in the days when Paul the Apostle wrote these letters and so on. And so this promise does not stand alone. We sometimes read it as, no matter what, God will supply all my need. No matter how I live, no matter how I think, no matter how I am towards God, he will supply all my need. Now let me say to you, is God gracious? Is God merciful? Is God faithful even when we're not? Does God bless us even when we don't deserve it? Yes. Does God, does God continue to give even when we're, we're disobedient kids? Yes, he does. He does. But, but this, this promise of God's supply through the pen of the Apostle Paul has some conditions. I believe there are several conditions. And the first one is this, if you have your outline. God promises to meet all of my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus if I what? If I learn to live with an open hand. If I learn to live with an open hand. The reason Paul the Apostle wrote this promise to the church was that the Philippians, these Philippian Christians, had an open hand. It was in response to their generous heart, because I want you to look at verse 10. It's on the screen. He says this, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last, what? Your care for me has flourished again. Paul is saying, I want you to know that your care, that, that your provision, that, that the way that, that, that you, you look to, to help me in my need and so on, flourished, was overflowing. And he says, though you surely did care, 
but you lacked opportunity. So there's, there's the, the, the backdrop. There, there's the context. These were people of God who were not tight-fisted. They had an open hand when it came to giving. They recognized that God owned it all. And beloved, I want to say to you, if you and I are tight-fisted, think about it. If you're tight-fisted, can anything go into this hand if it's tight-fisted? If it's clenching and holding on to something, there's nothing, there's no way you can put in, is there? But if you're an, if you're open-handed and God owns it all, guess what? God can put in what he wants to put in. And guess what? Because he owns it all, don't miss this, God can take out what he wants to take out. God can put in, put, put your hands out, if you would. Because it, sometimes when you see the preacher do it, and, and you're thinking, well, the way it's going to stick is if you do it too, okay? It's like the elementary class, you know? Sometimes we do this with kids, but we think as adults we're just going to hear it and we're going to rem remember it. No, we retain like maybe a very small percentage of what we hear. But if we do something, so if God puts in, come on, church, if God puts in, what he wants to put in, and we have an open hand, then God can take out what he wants to take out. But if our fists are, are tightly clenched, God can't put in what he wants to put in, and he can't take out what he wants to take out. Because why? Because we're holding on to it. And so if I learn to live with an open hand, God puts in what he wants to put in, and God takes out, what he wants to take out. Because God can take out any time he wants. And he can put back in any time he wants. Beloved, this is an important principle when it comes to giving. Because if we're tight-fisted, holding on to little, or the little or the much we have, guess what? God cannot put in what we need. Does that make sense? I mean, Pastor Vine showed this last Sunday, but I'd like, to, I'd like you to look at it again, this verse in 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians 9 is a marvelous chapter. I would encourage you to read it about giving. It's, a, it's actually uh, chapter 7, 8, and 9 are beautiful chapters in the book of 2 Corinthians about giving. But notice this. Paul says what? He who sows sparingly will also what? Reap sparingly. And he who what? Sows bountifully will also what? Reap bountifully. So he says so let each one give. Now I highlighted that because that is that is a mandate for every Christian. He's writing to whom? He's not writing to the culture. He's not writing to the the um, um, the, the, the pagan. He's not writing to the unbeliever. He's writing to the person that is in Christ, to the church. And he says, let each one, what, beloved? Give as he purpose, purposes in his heart. Notice the next phrase, not grudgingly, not tight-fisted, or of necessity, for God loves what? A cheerful giver. Say it with me again. God loves a cheerful giver. Giver, say this, God loves when I give cheerfully. Say it together. God loves when I give cheerfully. 
So Paul is, is saying to the church, he who sows sparingly, you put a little in, you're going to reap a little. You put a lot in, you're going to reap or you're going to receive a lot. Now, I didn't grow up on a farm. But at one time, I lived in a town in Iowa where every year farmers planted corn and beans. Every year, you, you would know that the farmers were out there getting the ground ready and everything after, after they harvested the corn and the beans and, and the ground, you know, froze because it's cold. And if you ever live back in the Midwest, it gets cold, it gets icy, and, and the ground gets real hard until, you know, the, the uh, springtime and it thaws and so on. But, but I remember each every year watching them that to have a big crop of corn and beans, they had to do what? They had to sow a lot of seed, right? And, and if they sowed, for example, 100 sacks of seed, these farmers expected 10 acres of corn. I think you get the picture. The only way the farmer would, would get a big crop was to give away his seed. Beloved, we have been talking about giving now for several Sundays. And the Bible says what? God loves a what? Cheerful giver. The principle is let each one give, not grudgingly or out of necessity. In other words, it's in, a, in other words, you know, we, we celebrate. We celebrate. When it's offering time, come on, new seasons. Come on, new seasons. It's offering time. Come on, new seasons. But are you one that when it's offering time, Oh, I got a buck. It's offering time. Oh, every Sunday is offering time. Or are you, it's offering time. Worship, celebrate. I can give to the Lord. I don't mean you have to jump up and down. But beloved, I have been in the church long enough to know that I've watched the plate go by and very little is put in sometimes. I have been in the church enough to hear people tell me as a pastor, Pastor, you shouldn't be preaching on giving. That's a personal thing. Our pastor has said that he struggles about preaching on giving because New Seasons Church gets funny when he does. And that shouldn't be. My brother was part of a church in San Diego. He's not there any longer. But he shared with me one time that the senior pastor apologized to the congregation for having offering time in the service. But God loves what? A cheerful, cheerful giver. Open-handed. Because notice the next verse. Verse 8 says, God can give you all, come on, you need. Come on, we should read that with enthusiasm. I am. Come on, come on. It's like sometimes when I preach, I feel like I got to be the cheerleader, you know. Get, get the crowd going, get the crowd going. 
because we're in the word of God, right? God can give you all you need, and he will give you, come on, what does it say? More than enough. You will have everything you need for yourselves, and you will have enough left over to give when there is what? When there is a, do you see the beauty of that? Because God owns it all. If we so uh, generously, God can give you, and that's what Paul's point is. These Philippian believers, they gave it, and Paul said, I want to encourage you, and I want you to know that God will supply all you have need of because you let it go with an open hand. So good. And then look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. For God is the one, what does it say, beloved? Who what? Provides seed for the sower and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Now just let that sink in for a moment. This is God's word. This is God's word. God is the one who what? Provides. The seed. God is the one who what? Provides the paycheck. God is the one who what? Provides the roof. God is the one who what? Provides the food. God is the one who what? Takes care of us. You could go to work tomorrow and your boss would say, pink slip. You could, right? If you, if you rent, which Jeannie and I do, you could have the manager knock on your door this afternoon and say, we're selling the place. God is the one who provides, right? Seed and bread. And in the same way, he will provide and increase your resources. How? God will supply all my needs according to his riches by Christ Jesus, if I learn to live with an open hand. But secondly, I want to say also, if I also learn to, to what? Next slide, please. If I learn to be content. Say, say that with me. If I learn to be content. In the study for small groups, God owns it all. The author, Ron Blue, says this. Notice it's kind of small to read it, but it says, he says, go back to that slide, Deacon Paul. Culture aggressively tells us that we should what? Be discontented with what we have. Companies spend billions of dollars every year trying to convince us that our lives would be better if we owned their products. I can't tell you how many emails I got from Best Buy and from Cellular Outfitter and from Amazon and all this stuff about Black Friday deals. I mean, my email was flooded with all those, and I went, delete, 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 delete. It's, it's annoying, you know? And I was told, well, well, um, you know, just have your, just have your personal email. Uh, have, have, a, have a separate one so that you only get your ministry stuff and your personal stuff. But they know how to attach you, don't they? They know how to, how to get on 
and, and flood your email uh, server with all these ads, right? And companies spend billions of dollars every year trying to convince us that our lives would be better if we owned their products. In other words, uh, Ron Blue says, our lives aren't good enough as they are right now. These messages, notice, create what? Feelings of discontentment, fear, and anxiety or uncertainty. The text says in verse, verses 11 to 13, back at our, our scripture this morning, Paul says what? I'm not saying this in commending them and saying, um, I rejoiced that you had care for me and, and that your care for me has flourished. But he says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. Notice. For I have learned to what? Be content in any circumstance. I have experienced times of need and times of abundance. Have you been there? Amen. I, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of what? Of contentment. Whether I go satisfied or hungry. Have you been there? Or have plenty or nothing, I am able to do all things, what? Through, the, through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things. What, what's he saying? I can do all this. I can be content through Christ who gives me that strength. I can do all this, learning to be content, as he put it in that verse. Well, what is the secret of contentment? I asked myself that as I was studying these scriptures last night. Paul tells us in verse 11, he says, I have what? Learned to be content. Well, how do you learn to be content? Well, I'm glad you asked. Contentment does not come naturally, does it? I mean, because in our sin nature, we're never satisfied. And the main definition for contentment is Listen, is satisfaction. In fact, the definition of contentment, I thought this was cool. I found a, uh, this is a biblical definition of contentment. An internal satisfaction which does not demand changes in external circumstances. An internal satisfaction which does not demand changes in, in e external circumstances. Contentment means my happiness and my joy is not dependent upon my circumstances. You've heard it before. You, maybe you've, you've said it. Well, when I get such and such, then I'll be happy. Been there? Or when I get that job, when, when I get that job, then, then, then I'll be happy. Then, then life will be good. Or, or when I can retire, ah, then, then everything's going to fall into place. It's all, it's all, it's going to be good. I'm going to be happy. I go to that job. I go to the work. Yeah, Lord, help me to, help me to, to love the job. But, you know, it gets tough. It, it gets, you know, daily grind. But when, when I can retire. Or here's another one. When I get the bills paid off. Yeah. Then. When I can be debt free. Then. Now, beloved. Contentment is not not having goals. Contentment is not not having ambitions. Contentment is not uh, not striving to be better for God. Contentment is not even having financial goals. God wants us, and, and this series on God owns it all, by the way, um, uh, on Wednesday nights, Pastor is going through the, 
the, the, the, the series, the lessons on God owns it all, and it's so good. But contentment is not, strive, is, is not not striving to be better for God or not even having financial goals. Contentment, listen, is being thankful to God for what he has given you. And I guarantee that one of the main lessons that God is always um, teaching me and, uh, and taught me when we came to San Diego and one of the lessons that God wants us all to learn is to be content. So what? how does God teach us to be content? Well, God puts us through certain things so that we learn to what? Be satisfied. Amen? I remember when we came to San Diego four years ago now, we didn't have what we had in Iowa. We, we, we didn't have the finances. We didn't have the home. We didn't have or, or, or ministry at all. My wife and I struggled. I remember that, that it felt some days like we were living under a dark cloud. I remember crying out and, and praying to God. We were staying with my mother in her mobile home, or one little, or just uh, just her bedroom, and we shared we shared the, the living room and, and we shared the, the 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 TV remote once in a while <laughs> from the shows that she wanted to watch. But it wasn't our own place. And the thing is, I remember. In, in, in the struggle and praying to God that, that we learned to wait on the Lord. We learned to, to, to trust Him. And, and, you know, God has turned things around for, for us since, we, uh, since uh, we have been with New Seasons, which I'm very, very thankful, very grateful, very grateful that, that God has given my, my wife a, a good job and so on. And, and I want to tell you that with the rest of the story, with things uh, better financially for us and so on, eight months ago we looked into buying a house. We felt that let's, let's buy a house. We'll have the room, at least a three-bedroom, so that we can have room for the kids when they come and, and so on uh, because we were renting a two-bedroom mobile home and that kind of thing. So we looked into it. Jeannie and I prayed about it, feeling that God was in it. But as we looked and looked and, and evaluated things, it just didn't turn out. Even with my VA, it didn't turn out that we could afford or, or we would want to do that kind of a payment and so on. And God brought us to a place where we didn't, you know, we didn't need to have a house. God just put a resolve in us. We looked, I remember one time we looked at one another and we said, you know, and I asked Jeannie, I said, do you, you, know, do you really want to? Want to buy a house? And she says, no, I'm not feeling that we should buy a house right now. And I said, I'm getting that feeling too. And so the necessity or, or the desire to buy a house wasn't there. Now, as, as many of you know, God provided uh, a, a four-bedroom mobile home that, that we're renting now in a mobile home park. And uh, we're, we're happy there. Uh, like I said, we had our kids and our grandkids with us. We have four bedrooms so that we could, you know, share Share the motel, you know. We, we have the room now. And, and not only that, but God has provided an opportunity to, to minister to some of the residents in the mobile home park because the rec center is empty on Monday nights and, and, and we have a Bible study now. So God provided. But what I'm saying to you is that, is that, that we had to learn through, through the not having anything moving from Iowa to come to San Diego the, the, the things that were important back then were not as important to us 
later because we learn to wait on God and trust God. And yes, God has blessed and, and improved our situation. But you learn contentment by what? By going through the hard stuff. Amen? And, and, and when, you, when, when you at one time have that four-bedroom house or that, that mansion, and, you know, or, or uh, the, a lot of stuff, and then you don't have it, and then you learn to trust God and, and wait on God, and he replenishes, maybe not in the same way that you had it before, but he gives and you're grateful. That's learning to be content, to be content with what you have. There's a great verse in Hebrews 13.5 that I want, want you to see. Look at this. It says, your life must be free from the love of money. And you must be what? Content with what you have. For he has said, the Lord has said, here it is, I will never leave you and I will never abandon you. Isn't that a great verse? And then the next verse, verse 6 says, so we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. I love that verse in Hebrews 13.5. Beloved, this principle of learning to be content is so tied to God's provision and promise. And the reason we can be content is when you have, listen, when you have God, you have everything. Amen? When you and I have God, we have everything. Because God, what? Owns it all, right? God is unlimited in his resources. And when you have the Lord, you have everything. You may not have as much as you want to have, or you may be struggling uh, with, with something, but, but I can tell you that your life must be free, based on the scriptures, from the love of money, and you must be content with what you have. For the Lord has said, I will never leave you, and I will never abandon you. The Lord is always with us, and he is our helper. So in this promise back in our text, for God to provide all of our needs, there's one more condition or one more um, situation to this promise, I believe. If I practice, what does it say? Obedient giving. If I practice obedient giving. Notice Paul says in Philippians uh, 13 through 15, Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, notice when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me what? Concerning giving and receiving. But what does he say? But you only. The Philippian church was part of the, uh, of the Macedonian region. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I just want to go there for a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the Apostle Paul wrote about the churches in Macedonia. And he says this, Moreover, brethren, we make it known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Paul was asking all the churches, here's the situation. He was asking all the churches at that time to help the Jerusalem church out financially because there was a financial fallout in the city of Jerusalem, which affected the church. And so Paul tells us that the Philippians, out of their deep poverty, that is, the bottom of the barrel, they were, the, the, uh, the, their giving that was very generous. They were meeting the need. Philippi was once a very rich city, but, but the Roman Empire sacked that city, robbing them of their gold and their silver. And they went from riches 
to rags. But in spite of that, Paul says in this scripture in 2 Corinthians 8, that they even gave beyond their ability. He says, listen, for I bear witness, verse 3, that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. They, they gave according to, the, yes, they gave according to their ability and beyond their ability. Now, here's the key. They first gave, what does it say? Of themselves to the Lord. They first gave, beloved, of themselves to the Lord. And then to us by the will of God. I put that up there because I believe that's the key. I believe that's the reason the Philippians were so obedient in their giving to God. Because they first gave themselves to the Lord. In other words, beloved, they said, God, you have my heart. And let me say, when God has our heart, he has this. When God has our heart, he has our pocketbook. Amen? And, and here's the thing. There's a way you can tell how much you love Jesus. The question is not what you can do for New Seasons Church. Or not what you can do for Pastor Vines. But the question is, how much in love are you with Jesus Christ? If you're in love with Jesus, listen, if you and I are in love with Jesus, giving is not an issue. Let me say that again. If you and I are in love with Jesus, giving is not an issue. Amen? It's quiet around here. I mean, the tithe, the grace gift, it's all tied to how much do I love the Lord? Jesus said in what is, I believe, one of the most convicting statements in the Gospels. He said, and you know it. He says, if you love me, what? Then you will keep my commandments. Check it out. John 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And beloved, as I wrap this up, is if you, if I love Jesus, then Giving to the Lord and what he asks of the 10% or the, or the, the beyond when he, when he puts it on my heart is not an issue. And it's not about New Seasons Church needing money. And it's not about Pastor Vines needing support. Even though my wife and I want to bless him and want to give to him. And we do. It's about how much do I love the God who saved my very soul. He gave his all. Jesus shed his blood. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 8, we won't look at it, but though he was rich, he became what? Poor. So that we might have the riches of God. The very God who gave everything to us. And what burdens my heart more than anything is when Christians do you know that the average giving anymore for a Christian is less than 4% of the time? God asks for 10%. We go to the restaurant. You've heard Pastor Vine say this many times. Now they expect the gratuity to be what? 
15 to 20%. It's not what you offer anymore, but it's part of the bill. And we hold back on God 10%. And beloved, I'm just saying from my very heart to you and myself is that if we love Jesus Christ, giving is not an issue. There's an old hymn I found yesterday. We don't sing stuff like this anymore, but listen to the chorus or look at the chorus. It says, is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Your heart does the spirit control. You can only be blessed and have peace and sweet rest as you what? As you yield him your body and soul. I would add, as you yield him your heart. See, God is an amazing God. He showers us with grace every day. Even when we don't get it right, he loves us. How? With no conditions. Amen? Do I get an amen? He loves us with no conditions. He has promised his faithfulness. He has promised his provision. Romans 8 says one of the most uh, uh, encouraging chapters in the book of Romans is Romans chapter 8. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely, <laughs> listen, freely give us all things? That's the kind of God he is. That's the kind of God he is. And beloved, New Seasons Church is designed to not nurture just Christians. You've heard this before. New Seasons Church is designed, and Pastor Vine's heart is to, is to train up, what? Disciples of Christ. Come on. Is to train up disciples of Christ. Is, is, is to make disciples, not just Christians, not just church attenders, but disciples of Christ. And giving is a discipleship issue in the Lord. That's the kind of God that we belong to. And that's the kind of disciple he wants you and I to be. Well, let me wrap this up. I'd ask that you make a commitment to God this morning. You have it on your notes. Would you bow your head, please? Every head bowed, please. And just before the Lord this morning, and if you're, you can see the words of this, I call it a prayer of commitment. Say to God, Father, I'm going to live with an open hand. 